0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. So it's kind of cool that my dad told you about how I have some grit, because this week week I was not feeling any of it. I was feeling like I'm going to run and hide. I am going to run. And I could not figure out what it was that was making me want to run. I knew it was just all the stuff. I knew it was a fear of not making right decisions. It was a fear of what other people think. A stinky. It's a fear of, well, if I say this, then this person's going to be mad. But if I say this, then this person's going to be mad. And so I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run and hide. I knew I wasn't really going to run and hide, but that was the battle I was battling inside was, Sarah, you know you're not going to run and hide. But yet I wanted to run and hide. Does anybody? Okay. (laughs) Woo. There you go. You're not alone. That's what he told me. He wants to bring us all into that new place of intimacy and healing. And I believe that's for all of us because the Holy Spirit is so kind and he's full of mercy and he's full of grace and he meets us right there. That's what I love. Isaiah 30, 18, I want to read this first. It says, "So the, but the Lord still waits for you to come to him. So don't run don't hide go to the very one who holds your freedom who knows you best and loves you most he knows you the best yet he loves you the most so all the junk inside that makes us feel like i can't i can't come cuz i don't have it all together the lord's saying oh i know you i know exactly what you need so would you stop running And I love when the Lord does that. You even feel like, I haven't, oh, I've been so distracted. I've been running to my phone. I've been running to every distraction to try to make myself just be numb. And the awesome thing is the Lord in all his love comes after you, even in that place. And he says, I know what you need. Psalm 139. And I was like, oh, Lord, you coming for me. I knew when he said Psalm 139, that was my like, that was between me and him. Okay, so when you get with the Lord, the more and more you get a history and he comes to you. And when he came to me and said Psalm 139, I knew he was coming for me. Not anybody else first, but he was coming for my heart. And he was saying, I'm coming for you, and I know you. I've knit you together in your mother's womb. Your frame was not hidden from me. Where can you go from my presence? You could go up to the heights, I'll be there. You could go down to the depths, I'll be there. I am with you. And he knew that Psalm 139 was the thing when the Lord, when I was younger, the Lord started speaking to me about the fact that he knew me. He knew me. It says his thoughts towards us are more than the grains of sand. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to get back to Isaiah 30. But Psalm 139, he knows us. His thoughts towards us are more than the grains of sand. So when he started to speak that to me, I was like, oh, Lord, you coming. You are coming to me right now in this mess of a place that I feel like I'm in. And I can't figure out which way's up. But you know you know. And so he he comes and he tells you exactly who he says you are. And then he comes for that clutter. And he says, okay, now let's deal with this. Let's get this out of the way. Let's remove this debris. Let's make way for my truth to come and set you free. So you ready? But the Lord still waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for Him to help them. He wants to come and help us. He wants to come. O oh, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will respond instantly to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and affliction for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. You will hear a voice say, this is the way. Turn around, walk here. You will hear your teacher with your, I mean, you will see and hear. I love that. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and gold images, and you will throw them out like filthy rags. Ugh! You will say to them, be gone. Sorry, I must be reading a different version, but you got me, okay? The truth of the matter is, is that when you see the Lord and you see him coming and you hear the voice of the Lord and him and the father comes and he cuts through all the stuff. All you want to be is like, all right, anything that is not of Jesus be gone. That's when you start to want to clear out the clutter, make way. It's like when you're saying, Lord, anything that's hindering me from intimacy with you, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Cleared out. Get rid of it. Be gone. This is not serving me. And the cool thing is, is that the father comes and he wants to set you free face to face. So I want to tell you a story about when this happened to me. It was, I was, it was after I had my third son, Ben, I had been pregnant for, well, I'd had him and then I nursed him. And this was about a little over a year and a half after I'd had him. And I went through terrible anxiety, like literally started trembling for about two weeks was the worst. I just couldn't, I was trying everything. I was talking to Matthew. I was praying. I was like, Lord, what is this? For one thing I had gone through a pregnancy, then nursed a baby, and we were building a house in the middle of it, and I was the contractor over the house. So, I was going and, and getting the subs to come in, and I was, had, bait, had two little boys, plus I was pregnant. I was in labor. The plumbers were calling me. I was in the hospital. I told them, you're going to have to hold. They were like, where do you want the toilets? I was like, well, right now, I'm going to deliver a baby. You Don't, don't worry about the toilets. We'll talk about that later. I realized maybe I had bit off a little bit more than I could chew, but I thought I was superwoman. I, I've gotten free from that. <laughs> I've gotten free from thinking we have to be everything to everything all the time. <laughs> I have limitations. I don't know about y'all. You know? And so, can y'all get me a tissue? I have limitations, and it took a little bit to figure that out. I was trying to do everything and think I was superwoman and think that I could run on bald tires, and then when there would be something that somebody needed, I had, like my own children, waking up in the middle of the night, and I realized I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I don't have anything to give yet. I am just going on like... I'm going to survive. Until my body said, you either going to slow down or this isn't going to be good. And so I was physically, but I did not connect any of that. All I knew was I was trembling. I was, my mind was not, was spiraling, you know, in all the fearful thoughts. Okay. And so Matthew, Byron, everybody had prayed for me and I was still trembling. I had gone to the doctor. The doctor said, you're going to have to start taking some vitamins. You have literally not taken any vitamins through your pregnancy because I always thought I would get nauseous and sick. So I just wasn't taking care of myself at all. And so I said, okay, I'll take the vitamins, but I still wasn't completely okay. It wasn't a quick fix, right? So Matthew was like, I heard about this women's conference that was going down at um, Morningstar. And he said, Please, just go. he was like you need jesus i'm like yes i do (laughs) thank you so i went down and this is the grace and the mercy of god is i got there in the worship service you know don't you love how the lord goes ahead of you he goes ahead of you he meets you um and when i got there Rita Springer was leading worship, who was my favorite worship leader, and I didn't know she was leading worship. She was absolutely my favorite worship leader. She, like, I could catch my voice in her voice. I could hear her voice, and it was like, oh, this is God to me. She starts leading worship, and it was as if everybody in the room just melted away, and it was me and Jesus. I was so desperate for. I had realized in that moment, no money can buy peace. I mean, I would have tried to buy it. You know, like if this body would just calm down, be quiet. I was scared of night times. I was having panic attacks. After panic attacks, it was torture. And so I got there and I was worshiping. And all of a sudden, I had this vision of the Lion of Judah. I had this vision of the Lord coming to me like a lion. And all I can say is I didn't care what anybody thought. You know, you see that thing where don't judge my breakthrough till you see my been through? I've learned that about worship and being free. I'm like, I ain't going to judge anybody's breakthrough. And probably because they've been through something. And they're right now face-to-face with Jesus, and I ain't worried about it because I know he's got everything they need. And so... I just put my head in his mane, in my mind's eye, except for I was probably doing like this. <laughs> I just did not care. I was so desperate for a touch from the Lord. And I'm going to tell you this what happened. As I was doing like this, my body went completely still. I mean, completely. Every anxious, I mean, I was losing weight. Because I wasn't eating. Every anxious feeling left my body in that moment completely. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Lord, I just was so thankful in my heart to feel the peace of God. To feel his peace. Feel it like all the storm had been quieted. He said, okay, this is what the Lord said to me. He I said, I was like, thank you, Jesus. You've set me free. You've set me free. He said, now I'm going to teach you how to stay free. And I was like, well, okay. And what he meant by that was he was going to teach me about the things that had not been the clutter, that had not been serving me, that I needed to ta- I needed to say, all right, get out, get out. All this stuff. One of the things he started speaking to me about was um, criticism. A critical spirit. He started to teach to me about judgment and criticism. And how that was not serving me in my life. And how I was leaving doorways open for the enemy to have access to me. By stepping outside of grace and into judgment. And criticism about p- people, and the Lord started speaking to me about being quick to forgive, not because it was going to be real beneficial to everybody else. it wasn't letting people off the hook, but it, but it was making it was taking me out of the way, getting me back in that place of grace and protection, okay and it was allowing let God be the one who works it all out. This is not for me, but staying in that place of judgment, I was opening a door to the enemy. So that was just one of those pieces of clutter that the Lord was wanting to clean out. But in his awesomeness and how the Lord, I love Jesus. How many know that walking with the Lord is a journey? It's not an overnight thing. And he's coming to set us free over and over and over. So what the Lord did was this week, he came for some more. I mean, this is a lot of years, right? But he said, Sarah, you remember that? When I set you free and I told you I was going to teach you how to stay free? Well, I got some more things. I got some more clutter that I want to remove for you because you're still battling some things with fear that you don't realize. And I and I the Lord came to me this week and was saying, you're wanting to run and hide, and I believe this is for a lot of us. This is why I'm sharing it with you. I don't just share with you all my things, right? But I'm sharing this with you because I feel like the Lord was saying, this is for many right now. That fear is working on a lot of people and there's a lie That the Lord wants us to destroy. And that lie is that we're alone. Is that you're alone. He wants you to know you're not alone. You are not alone. God wants us to be so aware of his presence. So we can walk in freedom and truth and freedom from the influence of fear in our lives is the one that I felt like he was highlighting for us today. Is this is one of the clutters I feel like the Lord wants to remove out of our lives so that we can walk in his truth. That influence of fear in our lives makes us want to run away and hide away somewhere by ourselves. Makes us want to fear does that. The lie that inspires fear is that we are alone. Living under this influence of fear can cause you to want to spend your life running away and avoiding things. So the example in the Bible that the Lord opened up to me, and I just am so just blown away by God's goodness in this, and I believe he wants to give us all, is the example of Elijah running from Jezebel. So 1 Kings 19, 1 through 10. Let's read it. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18. But we're just going to do 1 through 10 first. I just want to talk about that. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life. For I am no better than my father's. I mean, he was out here. He, the, Elijah had seen the Lord do miraculous things. Miraculous things. And then one moment of Of Jezebel saying, "I'm going to kill you and he's ready to run for his life, and then he's out under this tree saying, "Just let me die. Let me die. Enough's enough. But you see that it's like, okay, why? Because he bought into this lie that he was alone. so let's let's get there. Then, as he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat, wake up, wake up, you need to eat. And then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in, this, in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. See, this is the lie. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. The lie he was believing was that he was alone there. Okay? And so we think you saw the Lord do all these things, then you get confronted by this one thing, and you decide you want to run and hide, and then you want to say, just let me die. I mean, that's a pretty desperate place, right? But this is the thing is that he was believing a lie that he was alone. And this is what's so awesome, is even in that self-imposed, running out in the middle of nowhere, running away, what did God do? Did he say, be fine, be gone with you? No, he met him with grace and mercy. He met him with a tree to rest under. And then he sent an angel to wake him up and say, hey, you need to eat. You need to eat. Because you've got this journey to go. And you and he stayed there with him until he ate. This is such goodness. He wants to meet us even in our place of we decide to walk out and and be left alone. You know what I mean? Because we just think I can't take it. Let me die. And the Lord meets us not with punishment, but with grace and mercy because he loves us. We're his children and his passion to restore us back to his heart is greater than our passion to be able to serve him or to do things right. It is so much greater. That's the goodness of the father is he's coming to destroy that lie that we're alone. But sometimes he says, you know what, you need to get up and eat. I loved, I listened to this message of Heidi Baker. She and her students were left, I mean, they weren't left, but they were kind of caught in Israel when the war started just recently. And she was speaking to her students, who now you've got these young adult students and the parents freaking out, right, back at home, like, y'all miss God. I don't know why y'all are there right now. You know? You know? And the thing that stood out to me the most, because she has experienced war zones where she's been living in Mozambique. She's experienced this. This wasn't new to her. But she was trying to give these kids advice. One of the most basic things was, you need this. These people are preparing you food. You need to go eat. This is not the time to pretend you're fasting. It's not fasting. It's fear. That's what she said to him. She said, you need to go eat because you don't know exactly when that food's going to be there again. Like, because you don't know. We don't know what we don't know is what she was telling them. And then I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, she got this from here. You need to go eat. You know, when the Lord's preparing something for you, eat it. You know, because he knows what you need, the strength you need to walk what's ahead. Okay, and so the Lord's coming to us. He comes with grace and mercy right where we're at. Okay, and he, want, he says, here, take it, eat of this. Because I, ha- I it's going to be a journey, but I have just what you need. And this is what the Lord came to say to me. When our kids cry out at night when they're young and they're scared of the dark, is it that they're really scared of the dark? Do they cry out? It's dark, it's dark, it's dark. Or do they cry out, Mama, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy? Because it's not that they're scared of the dark, they're scared of being alone in the dark. So that is what the Lord was coming after me and I believe he's coming after each one of us. Is he's removing the debris to get us face to face with him because he wants us to know that we know that we know that we're not alone. I'm coming to destroy the fear that makes you tremble. That's what he's saying. The gripping fear. That makes us tremble. If you actually... Tom Garner, I'm reading this book right now, which is just wrecking me too. It's called Healing the Wounded Heart. It's one that they're doing in the School of Ministry. And so I picked it up out of what Matthew was. And Tom Garner in his book says, Fear is an emotion that has the capability of shattering us, freezing us in our tracks... Or melting us into ineffective paralysis. One of the Hebrew words for fear is chatah. The fear in the sense of being broken or shattered by impending terror literally means to tremble. To tremble. So the Lord came to me this week and said, do you remember when you were trembling? You were being gripped by fear. And I knew that was true, but I could not even get a hold of my thoughts in some of it. It was like, Lord, I just need your mercy, and I need your grace. I need you to deliver me and set me free, and then let's talk. And he was saying, now, I want to teach you how to stay free. You know, that's his grace and his mercy. To be afraid is to live with a sense of constant. Now, listen to this. This like was like, is this not the world right now? To be afraid is to live with a sense of constant dread, waiting for another disaster to happen. Living to avoid consequences rather to, than to love and please God. How many people, how many of us are living with this constant like, oh no. And I had to deal that with that in my own life. When you've walked through with people, with your friends, great loss, great Just devastating things, you have to say, okay, Lord, what are you saying about this? Because I know you didn't allow that. I know you didn't cause that, but you did allow it, right? So, how do I not just be scared that something else is gonna happen? How do I not just be scared that somebody else that I love is gonna have cancer? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this, how do I deal with this fear, this lie, right? And that was where the Lord brought me back because the, the girl that gave me that word about, about if he allows it, he's gone ahead. That was Angel, the one who her husband was murdered in 2009. And the Lord just spoke that to her on the edge of the ocean this year. He said to her, Angel, listen, I, come a little closer. I want to talk to you. And she said, I'm stand right here at the edge of the ocean. I'm not coming any deeper. You know I hate sharks. And so she was kind of like, I'm right here, Lord, please. And the Lord came to her and said, if I allow it, you can trust that I've gone ahead with a plan to redeem it. And that right there, when she said that to me, because when you know, when you've walked with somebody, you've seen the walk they've walked. There's a weight on those kind of words. It's like, no, she's not just saying this in some kind of flippant vacuum, like of a hope to. I hope that's true. She knows that's true. She's seen the Lord in that area. And I've seen God like that. And so I can congr- I was like, oh, that's gold. And she would forget that the Lord said I was remember, remember, remember what God said. He said, if God allows it, then we can trust that He's gone ahead with a plan to redeem it. And that's just one of those things that we don't have. To live in constant fear and trembling of consequences and the dread of disasters. Because what he wants us to know is he is with us. What does he say throughout the Bible so many times? Fear not. Fear not for I am with you. What do he say to Mary? You will have a baby and he he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. That is, that's so, are y'all getting this? Is anybody getting this? I hope y'all are getting this because I feel like this is one of those gold nuggets that if we can grab hold of this, we can walk in the freedom that he has for us. Truly free, truly free. Under the influence of fear, we live with a sense of dread and desperation. And we don't expect to receive grace and mercy, and we don't give it away either. When we're living under that influence of fear, you don't expect the grace and mercy to be what he meets you out in the middle of the wilderness, do you? <laughs> you don't. You're, you're expecting consequences and punishment, right? Right? That's not our father. He meets us with grace and mercy. And he wants you to be able to receive his grace and his mercy for the moment. So that then you can give it away to those that are around you. You don't have to stand in that place of judgment. But get back in that place of grace and mercy. Because you've received it yourself. So let's get to what's the truth. Let's read the rest of that Kings, what happened with Elijah. Then he said, go out and stand. So he, so in other words, he had then walked after he had received that food and the angel was there. Then he walked a very long ways and he got to it said, Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in the places before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in, the man, in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous. He's saying it again. I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, I love this. It's like he says, okay, you think you're alone, but here. Let me just, let me give you purpose in the middle of it and remind you of the truth, okay? Then the Lord said to him, go return On your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive. Anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu. The son of Nimshi. As king of Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat. I might not be. I might be butchering these names. But bless it. Of Abel. mm, Meholah. You shall anoint as prophet. In your place. It shall be that wherever, that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, you are not alone. But the thing I noticed in this was there came this loud wind, there came this loud earthquake and he wasn't in any, his voice was not in any of those things. Can't you just feel like the wind and the earthquake might be a symbolism of all the turmoil and everything going on inside of him? All the raging going on inside of him. Yet he comes with a still small voice to say, shh, shh, you're not alone and it's going to be okay. And here, I'll give you these people and look, you're not alone. And it's going to be okay. I was thinking about my babies when I, I had my firstborn, Judah. And he was very colicky. And if he was awake, he was probably crying, probably screaming, crying. And it was my first child, I didn't know I was trying just everything, right? I didn't know some of the things that, you know, I just was. But the thing I found that could help him was to go, shh, 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 shh. I would put him right on my shoulder, bounce him, and go, shh, 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 That shh, 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 sh would calm his insides, right? So when I was reading this and I was seeing that still small voice, I was hearing the Lord going, shh, shh. <laughs> to me on my insides like girl sh-. I remember when I was going through that really terrible anxious time there was this book called keep a quiet heart by Elizabeth Elliott who her husband had been murdered when they were back in missionaries but yet she had this book called keep a quiet heart and I just remembered I was so drawn to that book I was like that's what I need all I know is I want a quiet heart, shh. I mean, I would even, we would laugh because sometimes if I was like feeling a certain way, I'd even just tell myself, shh, shh, shh. Like I'd even say that to myself like, shh, that's just shh. <laughs> that's not even true. And sometimes I might say shh, that's not, not true. That's not true, shh. But really it was, I was saying it to my own heart. as I knew that I wanted to keep a quiet heart. I knew that I did not want to allow myself into this just raging on my insides of things and letting the turmoil of anything unsettle that peace that I had inside of me. Because I started to learn as my kids grew older, it didn't have to be the turmoil going on outside in Israel or the turmoil going on in the political system in America, or the turmoil going on in the city, or the turmoil going on anywhere, I had enough to deal with when my six children at home, one of them having a meltdown, and I'm thinking, I'm wanting to go right up there with you. Let's, let's just all let's just all get out of control. <laughs> yes, I know. But I knew this is, that's not going to work even though I'm feeling you're going up here and I'm going up here and we're all going up here and then we're all going to be like, "Ah," and I'm going to be yelling Matthew and he's going to be, I don't know, you know, and we would start looking at each other when our kids were little and we'd say, okay, today we're not going to yell. We're going to start with that. Just today. Today. We're going to just put one day at a time. But I knew that the, I just kept digging in with the Lord that, Lord, you have, you are peace, and you want peace in my home. So I'm asking you to start here, call this heart to that quiet place, and then allow me to help me by your Holy Spirit, lead and guide me, teach me, so that I can call my children to that safe, quiet place with you. Right? And so I really have just, I love this story because I love that he, you know, it doesn't mean that he won't come in a loud voice to you. I'm not saying that, but I love how in this moment he was saying, I want you, shh, I am, you're not alone and I'm with you, right? And so today I just felt like he wanted to quiet the storm around us and he wants to be that still small voice saying, shh, it's going to be all right. And he wants us to know that he's Emmanuel, God, with us. God's strategy to protect or heal us from fear is to tell us he is with us. This last thing, and then we're going to take communion. So um, the last thing was I was with my kids in the mountains, and we were going up a mountain And while we, this was just a couple weeks ago, I had adult children now, right? And my, one of my adult sons who loves, he lives in the mountains and he loves to ride bikes all up in the mountains and, you know, his lungs are just fine, right? I was walking up that mountain. It was cold. It was wet. It had even snowed a little bit the weekend before. That's how high we were, Right? And I've had some experiences with not feeling like I could get my breath before in high altitudes. So I was kind of like battling those thoughts. Are we high or how high are we? Okay, so my kids, everybody's just fine. They're all wanting to walk up this mountain and I'm tired. So we're walking up the mountain and I am feeling these thoughts just get worse and worse, right? I'm thinking, what am I doing? Why does anybody think this is fun? I don't think this is fun. Why am I doing this? This is terrible. Can I breathe? Yeah, I can breathe. Is my heart how, my heart beating too fast? Let me check my watch. And, my, you know, my daughter's like, you need to throw that watch out. You know, you're fine. And then we get to this one place where it's like slick and it feels scary. And I'm just letting myself get completely overwhelmed by all the raging thoughts in my mind of how this is not a good idea for me. Right? And so I'm like, y'all just go on up, just go. I mean, there's like old people going much older than me going up and down. I'm thinking, I don't care, no shame. Y'all, good job. Y'all probably do this all the time. And so I'm just letting them go, and I'm just thinking, I'm done. I'm done. This, I, I'm, I'm done pretending. I love my kids, but I can't do this. Go on. And so they all walk on up, and then I see Judah walking right back down. comes down there and he goes mom you're doing this and I'm doing it with you so come on and so he came back down he stood there and he walked up with me the rest of the way and I got to get to the top and see it and we we took pictures I was like I'm getting a picture (laughs) you know so we took pictures and we walked back down and that was where the Lord was saying to me again fear not for I am with you I am with you. But not only is he with us, but he gives us, he places the lonely in families. He puts us with one another. Okay. And the lie is that even Elisha thought he was alone and, G- and God was saying, look, I got 7,000, you know, like I will give you these people, Jehu, Elisha, like I'm going to give you these people. Okay, but you're not alone. Don't buy into the lie that you are alone. Let's just throw that lie right on out the window. And we don't have to be afraid of the darkness that is all around. It's not that we're afraid of the dark. We're afraid of being alone in the dark. And so the Lord is going to just destroy that lie right now with the truth that he's Emmanuel, God with us. Do you want that? Y'all want that? (laughs) Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.